All right. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone. I'm super excited and actually ecstatic that I found a way, finally, to reduce the babbling and get sort of a hybridized version, as you'll see in the title of this Patreon episode, of a limited Hangout episode. And for those that are new to the channel, uh, just to fill you in very quickly, a the limited Hangout episode is a ser- uh, series, rather, is an episode we do once per week uh, for folks that don't have time to watch the more prolonged uh, forms of content. We try to keep it to 20 25, 20 minutes and under to get right to the point. Well, today, in a very exciting fashion, just to be clear, this is not going to create any type of delay in upcoming content over the next couple days. It actually helps me work on more of it. But in this episode today, we are hybridizing Archon Hidden Rulers Throughout the Ages, a Let's Get Banned episode, as well as a limited Hangout episode. Now, I do want to say that it's possible that just this particular episode may go public uh, in the very far future for the sake of just showing the public who has been hesitant on signing up for the Patreon some of the things that we do and cover in this regard. Now, with that being said, we're going to be combining today philosophy, the arts, metaphysics, science, uh, we could say even electrical engineering, and dare I say even to a large extent particle physics and and harmonics and you name it in a way that is going to hopefully encapsulate the full angle and aspect of what we're trying to convey here. Now, today's title is called My Take on the Pyramids, sort of, because I'm not claiming to have the answer. It is certainly a avenue of sorts, um, which I do plan to not finish, but rather to continue to pursue down the road pertaining to the pyramids. The owl within us an owl stands for oscillations of wavelengths and our current economic situation, current in quotes, that alludes to a couple different things which we will be diving into. So first and foremost, you may be saying, Dave, okay, we've been asking you for many, many months your take on the pyramids. What do you think? Well, just like many other things that a lot of you folks ask me, whether it's on the public side or on the member side of things, there are a lot of perspectives I take in the form of neutrality because I simply don't know where I stand within a current point in time relative to when you have asked me. And I say that because this speaks to a larger concept metaphysically of not needing not, or not feeling obligated, whether it's with politics, whether it's with spirituality, whether it's with your own life, for example, even if you know, you're thinking of switching jobs, you name it, this could be applied everywhere. It's not necessary to make a decision immediately. We live in a society that enables that. But again, why do we have to react so quickly? Because reacting quickly creates an emotional response indicative of that, of the very rapid emotion we take relative to the uh, the interpretation and receiving of the information in which we are acting on. So again, this speaks to the concept of why do we have to make a decision? Why do we feel so you know um, obligated to make a decision constantly? Again, I've been asked for almost two years now my take on the pyramids. I have a multitude of different hypotheses. However, there is something that the science angle of things has been able to potentially substantiate. Again, I could be incorrect, but let's dive into it. So here's what's interesting. We're going to get back to this in a second. We're going to actually be drawing some sketches over top uh, this particular pyramid here. But first and foremost, let's take a look at some screenshots and images of Walter Russell's The Universal One, okay? Now, here's what's quite interesting about all of this. When you take a look at this right over here, at the top, where it states that creation is but a swing of the cosmic pendulum from inertia through energy and back again to inertia forever and ever. It is but a series of opposing pulsations of action and reaction, integration and disintegration, gravitation and radiation, appearance and disappearance. So again, the concept here would be generally speaking to view 
the swinging or the vibratory oscillation of the pendulum within a confined state. And you might be saying, Dave, what does that mean? Well, in real life, when you watch a, you know, a pendulum swing, it tends to swing and then slowly but surely, you know, the oscillator comes to rest and then that's about it. Now, what if each side had a point in which it was limited to stopping at, but was not visible within space, but was in time? I know that's a bit of a, you know, a potentially difficult concept to grasp, but again, think of energy or frequencies that exist in time, but not in space. Okay, now, with that said, with my mouse here, what we're going to see is that I'm going to be just giving a quick little outline with my mouse as to that of, again, the pine cone, if you will, the pine cones kissing, as well as that of the 90 degree right angle Lorentzian vectors for, you know, vector covariance, vector invariance, you name it. Not only this, but this is also, by the way, if we look at the outline of it, this is also the Freemasonry symbol, if you will, the outlining concept. And again, we of course go back to the concept of the triangle. And what's interesting though, however, is that notice in this particular illustration by Mr. Russell that the bottom of the pendulum swing is not connected via that of a straight line, but rather of a curve. Think about that for a second. Again, think about just basic things that you see constantly, whether it's the symbol of CERN, you name it again, it's rings. It's, they're not straight lines, they're rings. This could potentially speak at a grander scale to the concept of what, for example, Mr. Bob Bigelow had said to Joe Rogan, when he, I think a year or two ago when he went on the show, saying at least it is of his understanding relative to his sources within academia, that string theory is on its way out. We have to think that, again, it's quite possible a string or a straight line is not a straight line, but a set of confined opposing curves that are coiled together to form the illusion of a straight line when viewed at a macroscopic, uh, you could say, length or scale, right? Okay. And of course, in the middle of that pendulum, there's the oscillatory rates in which create the spiral. Now, with that said, we'll see right over here that nature's plan of erecting pressure walls during the journey from the universal white light of inertia to its simulation in motion. Again, notice something. There's always a point or an axiom in which is postulated by that of the underlying archetype or blueprint of the universe that then disseminates... Again, carbon, nitrogen, and oxygen. And now, of course, Maxwell's equations, his interpretation of, of, of Maxwell's quaternions, show that magnetic fluctuations or magnetic fluxes hug light rays, which speaks to the term electromagnetic, right? Now, we then have to factor that into things like magic and what have you, or at least what it was, has been called magic, but we'll leave that for uh, a later date, if you will. Now, here's what's interesting, by the way. Notice... This right over here, this square that says violet, right? The violet of blue, the violet of red. Hmm. That's interesting, isn't it? Why? It's been alleged by, again, it's been stated by allegedly, well, based off of allegedly real images of craft, regardless of the occupants in the craft, whether there even was or are, were any, going out of the Earth's atmosphere emit a purple or violet light. Whereas when they're staying within the vicinity of the interactable state in the atmosphere, for example, abducting a cow or abducting a person, people experience a blue light. Again, there's that concept, that constant correlation or regurgitation over the years or the scuttlebutt within the uh, UFO community of Project Blue Beam, Project Blue Book. Again, I'm not you know naive to that. Again, I know a lot of you have said, Dave, well, what about Blue Beam? Short form, I think we're living in it, to be honest with you. But anyways, that's a different situation. So with that said, notice as well that again, we see here the violet of blue as it works down 
almost as if you're heading down into the atmosphere of the Earth in an imaginatory and speculative sense. The violet of red seems to be the red shift that's been, that is less commonly known as well. But notice that it always stems back to the focal point of gravitational pressure and the axis of it. And then on the other end, it goes back to the focal point of radiational pressure and the axis of it. Gravity and radiation. Again, it's been alleged that particularly uh, pilots at higher altitudes experience extremely strong bursts, as it's been reported in the public media, of X-rays and gamma rays and radio wa or radiation, if you will. That seems to get them sick in a way that has not yet been, we could say, um, interacted with within this realm or vicinity. And I say that because if it's not interactable in a quote-unquote comfortable sense, relative to that of, again, academic papers like Mr. Charles Lieber pertaining to the concept of bio-nanoelectronics being more comfortably inserted uh, to a natural organ relative to that of the natural uh, cell or, or uh, excuse me, organic cell within the human body being far more quote-unquote comfortable to an, uh, to, based on the way in which that nanotech looks, literally, to the cell within it's 90 degree right angles vector state to allow for an electromagnetic or even just simply an electric impulse into the capillaries to be more effective and more and have much more efficacy if you will so in layman's terms the more comfortable something looks to not just us but to even to our our, our uh, bodies you know cells and all of this the more we're likely we likely to let it in kind of like letting somebody into your home isn't it you scale it up scale it down down it's the same concept now with that said here's what's interesting let's head back to this image very quickly we see here that positive electricity is force generated against pressure resistance and that negative electricity is force radiated in the direction of pressure assistance assistance resistance there's a difference now you might be saying dave why do you bring that up well if we were to factor in the concept of, a, of an observable wave geometry form. Again, this is Mr. Walter Russell. We will find here that from the center, the spiral equal, and again, this is going right back to the platonic solids, right? We have the square, the circle, the uh, triangle. Notice that as the spiral from the swinging pendulum, as we were just viewing right over here, emits itself based on the limitations of the swing, where my mouse is, for example, say the pendulum stops at where these lines create the individual separations. You then have another pendulum swinging here and another one swinging here. This would also speak to the concept of squaring the circle, as the ancients would call it. As well, of course, this speaks to the concept of the pine cones kissing. This speaks to the toroidal geometries, even in the absence of electromagnetic fields, allegedly. But not only that, let's take a look in a more practical manner or sense at what this would mean for the construction of an electrical current. Okay? Kind of like if we see here, this kind of looks like, again, running a neutrino, the Aronoff-Bohm effect. This kind of looks like the CERN Large Hadron Collider. Interesting, isn't it? Now, you might be saying, okay, Dave... This is all fine and dandy, right? These are universal ratios, you name it, but you, you might be saying, what the heck does this have to do with owls? Well, there's a couple different concepts and, and we could say analogous correlations we're going to be make, uh, making right now to owls. Well, first and foremost, let's understand that when we look at this particular image, again, from Walter Russell, these sketches, we'll find that this speaks to the concept of not only, of course, a Venn diagram, but the dual or double slit experiment. Not only that, but to me, I interpret these images as corner of the eye. 
type viewing shadow beings with the corner of one's eye type situation, which is in fact, dare I say, not a phenomenon, but rather an explainable occurrence relative to that of the confined light spectrum in which we are in, right? So for example, me holding this pen is just my body or just a set of preordained what are called potentials from the vacuum, as it's called, in which allow for our eyes to optically observe a state of chronological frame rates like a film that then sends bioreceptive feedbacks through the nervous system when you quote-unquote pick something up via that of the five observables to then shoot up the nervous system, tell the brain, oh no, you're touching this, and to tell the eyes yet to confirm, yeah, you're viewing this. And what happens then is you then have a bunch of other people that whose bodies seem to tell them the same thing because it speaks to the brain, and everyone agrees on seeing it, and people call that consensus reality via that of the placebo effect, I call it consensus harmonics. Because I think ultimately, what we're viewing is a harmonic state in which we call physicality or tangible or material interactivity. But really, what, what does that even mean? Right? With that being said, let me dumb it down for you very quickly. You know when you're holding an Xbox or a PlayStation controller, and you're playing a game, regardless of the game, but that game has within it the ability to make your controller vibrate whenever you do something, you know, good or bad, or you succeed or you fail, whatever game you're playing? The controller vibrates only when you're interacting with that, that particular state of code that sends the information via that of the software to the hardware via that of Bluetooth to make your controller shake. What's the difference with the human body? In my humble perspective, just exploring, I could be wrong. Now, here's what's interesting about all of this. We're going to get into the OWL right now, which stands for, of course, Oscillations of Wavelengths. Take a look here at the Flower of Life. Now, it's been uh, avidly, avidly explored, particularly on TikTok, of people using oscillators to measure harmonics, playing a string of a guitar or something like this. Now, the question then becomes, okay, to what extent could this be validated within the laboratory? To what extent could this be substantiated? Well... Here's what's interesting, folks. Now we see here, according to Mr. Walter Russell, the formula of the locked potentials in universal ratios. We see all dimensions are pressure dimensions, which speaks to the concept of piezoelectricity. Okay, so we then have a quick reminder of the visuals here. We then see, of course, according to Walter Russell, he claims that all direction is curved. Now, to play devil's advocate to that, you could say, Dave, well, okay, maybe smart guy, but he was just drawing pictures and writing stuff, and, you know, he, you could be, he could have been LARPing, live-action role-playing. Just because a guy wrote something on a page in a book that's quite well-known doesn't make it true. I say to that, very, very fair point. So, we see here, nature's trinity principle, according to Mr. Russell, seems to be that of Again, the toroid field, the infinity symbol, the interlacing of frequencies, you can call it, you know, again, you name it, and it can be interpreted in many different manners or regards. The flower of life, whatever you like to call it. Now, here's what's interesting about all of this. If we take a look, for example, uh, forgive me, right at this right over here, the helical solenoid electron model. We see here, of course, the representation of that of the toroid, the representation of that of allegedly the formation of the Penrose stairs, where it gives the illusion of progress while stagnating the, the overall movement. Not only that, we can correlate this to that of the ancient cultures pertaining to that of serpent-like relations or correlations, traversable wormholes, you name it, okay? Not only that, but if we jump over here to, of course, another toroid field, when we look at it in a particular way, do we not notice, by the way, 
that this seems to be two eyes of the owl, and here would be the nose. Let's draw it out very quickly, folks, just like this. Now, let's say, for example, we're going to be drawing magnetic fluxes that are being emitted from a, you know, particle fluctuations. These, these circles are not perfect, but again, forgive me. Now, imagine if we were to draw, say, again, this would be an atom each, respectively, and we are going to draw the pine cones kissing in that of the cone, the pendulum swinging, if you will. But does that not look like an owl? It's interesting, isn't it? It makes one think. I'm not saying I'm correct nor incorrect, but it just it makes you think. To me, that looks like an owl. So we see that relative to the owl of Minerva in philosophy, right? We see that to be quite avid. See the eye of Horus, the cobra goddess, Wajit, the owl of Minerva. I mean, you can just go on and on with respects to the philosophical, not just implications, but overall philosophical chronology that has constantly used the owl as a regurgitation of a representation of the overall, I mean, we could say the overall quote-unquote birdcage in which we may be residing in. I don't mean to fearmonger in that regard. But again, GWF Hegel, the owl of Minerva spreads its wings only with the falling of the dusk. Again, what does that say? I interpret that in real time as the owl of Minerva spreads its wings only with the falling of the dusk. Only when the darkness falls. The, perhaps I interpret that as the potential suppression over top of us. Again, these are things we have to consider. I could be very incorrect or you know, very wrong. We see it here again. It's, it's all fractal as well. It would speak to pressure. Each frequency string is different in size. Well, if a frequency string is different in size, by definition, its thickness would have to be, again, fractal, by definition. Because if you have something small, there needs to be something big. This, of course, again, let's do a quick outline to just illustrate a, a, a more a visual of either the pendulum swinging, the pine cones kissing, even the Wi-Fi symbol, symbol for crying out loud. This just seems to be another cycle of what our species has gone through many times over, or even, dare I say, make of this as you will, the Freemasonry symbol. Now, we see this, we think of, okay, the pyramids, right? So we've covered the oscillating the oscillating wavelengths, but not to a full degree yet. We need to cover the pyramids first, and then we'll explain everything and go full circle overall. So, it's been stated, or alleged rather, not stated, that there are what are called um, very low frequency waves that hug the ground. We've covered this in, in many months, both publicly and on the member side, pertaining to the Gwen Towers, the Ground Wave Emergency Network, uh, not just that, but of course, the, um, you know, scalar waves, uh, I mean, you name it, and, you know, the Tesla technology, all that kind of stuff. So it's been alleged, all right, we're going to sketch this out in real time, that the scalar frequencies are longitudinal, but not transverse. Now, here's what's interesting. Longitudinal means they're extremely low and they hug the ground. This would be the idea, right? Now, what happens, okay, this speaks to the concept of vector scalar potentials. What happens if we draw with red, I'm going to actually just increase the thickness here, we draw an outline of the pyramid. Okay, so, it's almost like 
Using piezoelectric conductive material in which the Egyptians did to build the pyramid, I'm not saying this was the overall purpose for the pyramids, but this is my interpretation in correlating the science analogous to what I found in my personal research. It's almost as if, again, there's more than one ELF wave, but it's kind of like they were trying to trap the wave so that it could not leave the confinement of the pyramid so it would bounce and then curve and then bounce all the way up. Now you might be saying, Dave, why would it curve here? Well, the idea overall, let me actually give a much better illustration to, 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 fully, um, to fully allow a, a grasping in a visual sense here for everybody. Let's, so, okay, let's adjust the outline. All right. It's kind of like the longitudinal wave so long as it cannot leave the boundaries of the pyramid, bounces back and forth and back and forth. You see that right there? That's why OWL stands for oscillations of wavelengths. These are oscillating extremely low frequencies. That's what I think the pyramid was used for amongst many other things because scalar waves do not have limits. Scalar waves are magnitude by, by definition. Magnitude means this. It's everywhere, which would mean that it's shooting up all over. So you would have to confine the scalar waves in a curved state in order to then direct it upwards. Now, this seems to be quite peculiar because, again, this would speak to the concept or ideological understanding of there being some type of maybe teleportation, maybe form of energetic healing. It, it, that is not for me to say. I'm looking at the science relative to the grounded state of piezoelectricity and, you know, kinetic, um, we could say kinetic frequencies. Now, let's take a look, because this is, you know, I can draw stuff, I can, you know, yap my butt off, but let's take a look at an actual oscillator, an oscilloscope. Take a look at this, folks. An oscilloscope tuning, uh, using, excuse me, tuning a Tesla coil with an oscilloscope. Watch this. This should be the same length as an expected streamer. Look at the oscilloscope and you'll see the result of me approaching the coil and then leaving the simulated streamer attached to the toroid. Remove it and the coil is back in resonance. Here is the same thing again as the wire is added. That's the piece of wire now connected. You see the oscilloscope there folks? Let me play this for you one more time but full screen. Remove it and the coil is back in resonance. Here is the same thing again as the wire is added. That's the piece of wire now connected. And now we're tuning it again. Measuring it you can see the frequency has now dropped. This new frequency of 139 kilohertz is what we'll set the primary to. He's tuning it. Again. This then takes us to the final part of our, um, we could say, of our presentation in this episode, which is our current economic situation. What does current mean? Well, belonging to the present time. Again, frequencies that exist in time but not in space. Being in progress now. Passing from one to another or circulating. Remember that current also represents that of an electrical current in electrical and electronics engineering. What if 
I'm going to use blue here to represent electricity, let's say. What if the Egyptians understood that if you spark the charge proportional to that of the scalar frequencies, an electrical charge that hugged the scalar waves? You would then be able to, oh, say, I don't know, leave your body, transfer, uh, you know, soul transfer, you name it. Again, excuse me one second. If that's not this, I'm not sure what is. If that's not this, I'm not sure what is. Nature's plan of erecting pressure walls. What if you could create your own pressure wall? To manipulate. And that's not necessary. I, I say the word manipulate neither good or bad. To curate as to, again, this being a tool, the curator behind the tool and the intent of the curator is ultimately what decides if the action taken harnessing these capabilities of the planet uh, allegedly and what have you are are of good or bad intent but hopefully folks again we see that an, an electrical current seems to interestingly enough represent a handful of different uh, apparatuses within the reality that we live in we see of course and i will end it with this mr michael levin the individual who has um, really delved into the concept of xenobots and the xeno frogs i believe went on mr kurt jaimungle's show kurt's been on the show recently and he said to uh, mr jaimungle that it seems as though there's an underlying archetypal blueprint in an electrical sense that creates or not creates dictates to the data and the information in our universe in our reality where the eyes of a human body would be a nose you name it almost as if there was an underlying structure or blueprint made relative to what we see here mr walter russell saying that the formula of the locked potentials in universal ratios oscilloscopes when you tune certain harmonics and pentatonics to different scales or to different uh, wavelengths and densities actually emit precisely what we see here which is what we call the flower of life which is what we can also call in different variations of viewing the owl of minerva the toroid field the pine cones kissing it it keeps going back to the same thing i mean you don't have to believe me you can just look at at the data so with that said folks thank you so much for hearing me out hopefully this wasn't too long of an episode but for those that cannot or do not have the time say every day or every week to catch up on what we're doing this is an overall grasp and understanding of that in addition to of course um adding more content and information into this presentation so thank you so very kindly folks and we'll catch you all very soon cheers